0: Well, if you have a Bible today, let's open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. As we come now to this amazing chapter, I don't know if you would call it an epic chapter, a classic chapter. And uh, and, uh, we see in verses 1 through 10, this is God's word to Samuel. And we're going to see in verses 11... All the way to chapter 4, verse 1, that is God's word through Samuel. Look where you read in verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see... And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. We're going to see today in verses 1 through 10, God's word to Samuel. You know, we look first of all at why it happened, and there's a couple of reasons. Why did God's word come to Samuel? Number one... Is because Samuel was right with the Lord, and number two, because Eli was not right with the Lord. Real simple. We read in verse 1 that Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. One version said that the boy Samuel continued serving the Lord under Eli's supervision. And as you go through 1 Samuel, you've read this repeatedly. If you go back to chapter 2, Look for a moment at verse 11. It says, But the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Read it again in verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. You go over to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Imagine that God's word to Samuel. You know, isn't that an awesome thing to think about? You know, that how many of you here just out of curiosity that, you know, you're, you're, you're saying you have your whole brain and everything and have heard the audible voice of the Lord? <laughs> Not very many of us, huh? You know, but we find in history that it's happened. Why did it happen to Samuel? Well, we see here, number one, that Samuel was right with the Lord. We see that Samuel repeatedly and consistently ministered to the Lord. Now, we're not sure how old he was at this time. According to the historian Josephus, Samuel was 12 years old. And again, we're not sure about that. But we do know for sure that Samuel was right with the Lord. It's interesting to me that not only did Samuel minister to the Lord, we read in verse 1, but notice again it says that he ministered to the Lord before Eli. In other words, Samuel ministered to the Lord under Eli's supervision. He ministered to the Lord as Eli's assistant. Now, when you think about that for a moment, it kind of puzzles us, huh? Because we know, if you guys were here last week, that Eli was not really right on, you know? And yet we find that Samuel ministered to the Lord. There, chapter 2, verse 11. There, chapter 2, verse 18. There, chapter 3, verse 1. Over and over again, wearing a linen ephod, even as a child, he ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli. And what we find is that Samuel had a very submissive heart. It's a mission of submission. And let me tell you something. It's very important to God. Because I don't know about you, but if I was there and I knew what was going on in the life of Eli, and I got close enough to maybe see his flaws, which were very evident, I might have a struggle submitting to a man in that position, having that authority. But one of the things that I've learned in life and I've learned in the ministry is submission to those whom God has placed over us is very, very important. And God will test you in that. If you kick against the goats, if you refuse to submit to your parents or your overseers, then you will pay the price. You see, God will test to see if you kick against those He's placed over you. You know, it's one thing when you agree with them. Everything's cool, no problem submitting, right? But what happens in life? What happens there at your workplace? What happens there in the ministry when you don't agree? You know, and it's not sin that your leader's asking you to do, but maybe you just have different preferences or you happen to see their flaws. The question is at this point, what do you do then? You know, I think in learning from the life of Samuel, we find that the word of the Lord came to him because he was right with the Lord. You know, and right off the bat, I really want to encourage you, man, myself. I've really been soaking this in, getting so blessed by this study, you know, to really, man, just do my best to submit to the Lord, His love, His grace, His mercy, His spirit, in that I would really want to be right with the Lord. You know, we see Samuel was there serving. Samuel was there submitting, even though we see that Eli probably wasn't the best example. You know, one of the things that's kind of interesting, and we're going to see this later, is that when Samuel um, is called, you know, by God, the Bible says that Samuel actually runs to Eli. He hears a, he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. And what does uh, Samuel do? He runs to Eli. Wouldn't that be good if your if your if your kids did that, you know? Uh, I mean, think about that. I don't know how it is at your house, but you know, you just call your kids, hey, Aaron, and they run to you. <laughs> I mean, and uh, for those of you who are parents, don't you think it should be that way? Don't you think? I think it should be that way, you know? But what usually happens at the house? You call them. What? <laughs> you know? And it shows, you know, like this guy didn't really have a heart of submission. These children need to learn a lesson. They need a trancaso, whatever the case may be, right? And I just, I'm looking at Samuel and I'm watching Samuel and seeing how God's calling him and how God is going to speak to him and God is going to raise him up. You guys, I don't know if you realize what a pivotal man that Samuel was. He would replace Eli, so to speak, as a priest. He would be offering sacrifices. He would be a judge for Israel, unlike any other judge. He would be a prophet that would actually start the school of prophets. He was a man, and if you want to look at it kind of like from a political perspective, in the book of Judges, they had a whole bunch of judges that kind of led the nation in a, in a, in a military way. But, but Samuel would lead the nation in a spiritual way. He was the guy that kind of connected the dots from this nation that was all confused and chaotic and without order. And he brought order to a nation. Samuel was a really, really cool guy. And that's why when you read this right here and you see that he had a heart to serve, ministered to the Lord, he had a heart to submit, you know, even running to Eli. I think we should take note of that if we want God to to speak to us. Warren Risby said this, even though Eli was not the most godly example or mentor, young Samuel submitted to his authority. He said, we submit to man's authority for the Lord's sake. It says in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25, for we serve God, not men. We trust him to protect us and work at his will, even in the lives of ungodly people. And so we see that the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Why did it come to him? Number one, because Samuel was right with the Lord, and number two, because Eli was not right with the Lord. And we're going to learn a lesson. And you know, for for me, I, I pray that you guys we would really take this to heart. It's a warning. It's a warning to us, you know. And it's not like you know Manny's a, a you know a negative preacher man, and he always focuses on the bad things. No. You know, that's the beauty about studying the Bible together, huh? It's just we study the Bible and God says, if you don't obey me, you're going to die. You're going to die. you got to get your life right. You know, I, I don't know about you. I think we've uh, probably discovered this in life. And something the Lord showed me a long time ago. How many of you ha- have ever tried like to eat right in life? And it's just not happening, man. It doesn't happen, you know? Or maybe you're, you're thinking, you know what? I think I'm going to start exercising, right? And a lot of times we try, and it just it just doesn't happen, right? Until one day, I don't know how old you'll be, 40s, 50s, maybe younger, and you're there at the doctor's office, and the doctor just looks you straight in the face and he says, listen, unless you change your diet, unless you begin to exercise, and this is some type of a radical lifestyle change, an alteration, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. You know all that cheese? It's not good for you, man. I mean, In and Out's good, and you know, double doubles are okay. But come on, you know how many times do you have to have that? You know, what happened to the fruits and vegetables? What happened to the exercise in your life? Why are you killing yourself? Right? We need to be so careful. But what ends up happening is when the doctor tells you, you know what, if you continue in this lifestyle, you're going to die. You know what? I've noticed some people really begin to change. Not all of them. <laughs> but some of them, they, you know, they begin to eat differently. They begin to exercise differently. And all I'm saying is this, that the same is true spiritually. That unless we really absolutely surrender every area of our life to God, we will suffer. And if we continue in consistent, resistant, insistent sin, then we will die. The dreams that God had for you will die. You know, a lot of crazy things. That's what we see. You see, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, number one, because Samuel was right with the Lord. But number two, because Eli was not right with the Lord. And God was about to bring Eli and his household down. That's what we read right here. Notice what it says. It says again in verse 1, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. You see, Eli was the high priest of Israel. Eli was the man who should have been the spiritual leader in the nation. But even though he had that position, he was not in tune with God. We read here in verse 2 that there was no widespread revelation in those days, that the word of the Lord was rare in, those days. in other words, God was not speaking because there was sin in the camp. Visions were uncommon. They were infrequent. Why? Because sin was common. And sin was committed frequently, repeatedly, and defiantly. Remember we read that last week about Eli and his sons? And we'll talk more about that in just a second. You know, we read right here that Eli, it says right here in verse 2, was lying down in his place and his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. Now I don't want to over-spiritualize that, but you know when I read that, I can't help but conclude that Eli was deaf, therefore he was mute, he was, you know, lame and he was blind, not only physically, but I think what that was happening to him spiritually. We read right here he was leading Israel down. For that reason, the lamp of God was just about to go out in the tabernacle. You know, if according to Exodus 27.20, the lamp was suppo- wasn't supposed to go out. It's supposed to burn perpetually. But it was kind of like symbolic, like we read in the book of Revelation. If you don't repent, I'm going to take my lampstand out. You see, and so the word of the Lord came to Samuel, you know, because... Samuel was right with the Lord, and Eli was not right with the Lord. We see right here why it happened, and then we see, secondly, how it happened. Look what we read in verse uh, 4. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And so Samuel arose and went to Eli. He said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And so he arose and went to Eli and said, Come on, (laughs) here I am, for you did call me. And then Eli Perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood at other times. And Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. We're going to see that that part of today's study is a, a lesson in in listening. And I know for those of you here who don't know the Lord, you know I, I really encourage you, man, to listen up. And even if you do know the Lord, we want to cultivate that ear to hear, to to really, really, really hear. You know, you don't want to walk away from a Bible study. You don't want to walk away from your time with the Lord. You don't want to really live, I don't even think, a single day without being able to say, you know, this is what God communicated to me today. But it takes a lot of heart. It takes an extra effort to really listen. You know, when you talk, you tell people what you know. But when you listen, you learn. And we really need to listen to the Lord. It'll change your life. And I remember reading a story. I'm not sure if it's George Whitefield or George Whitfield, but you guys heard of that guy, right? And from what I understand, he was a great evangelist. And one day he was doing a crusade. And so what ended up happening was uh, one of the guys in town said, "You know, I, I want to go and I want to see this crusade. I've heard that these things are pretty amazing." But I don't really want to to listen. I just want to see it. And so what the guy did is he found a tree. It was kind of far away. And he went up and he climbed in the tree. And so he started to watch and to look. And then when George Whitefield came out to preach, he noticed, oh, no, I can still hear him. So what the guy did is he put his hands in his ears and said, I want to see it, but I don't want to hear it. Right? Right? And so what ended up happening, God's providence, a big fat fly came and landed on his nose. Okay, this is a true story, okay? (laughs) And so what he did was he was shaking his head and trying to get rid of the fly. and, And it would go, but then it would come right back. Until finally what the guy did is he took one of his hands out of his ear and he, you know, swatted the fly away like that. And the moment he took his hand away from his ear... George Whitefield said, he who has an ear to hear, (laughs) let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that caught his attention. As obviously, you know, you would see, wow, this is amazing. And sure enough, the guy got saved. God did a great work in his life. You know, but I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of times we just want to see and we don't really want to hear. Well, go, and, and yeah, you know, uh, yeah, the message, yeah, whatever. You know, kind of like a story. I, I forgot uh, the president, I think it was, it was Coolidge, he he went to church one day. His wife didn't go with him. She stayed behind. And so, you know, he went, kind of went through the motions, came back. His wife said, well, what was the study about? And the co- uh, president said sin. It was about sin. And the wife said, well, what about it? He said, the preacher was against it, you know. <laughs> And, and you know you could go and you could see but not but not really listen. I'm telling you this though, you guys, when you really listen to the Lord, it'll change your life. You know one of the things I've noticed about the Lord he's very personal with us. you know he's a God who deals with us powerfully, personally and intimately, and he will speak to us. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through, He knows your hurts. He knows your sorrows and He has the Word, the Word that is just fitting for your situation. But a lot of times we struggle and we go through life and we really time, you shouldn't be a lot of those times if only we would listen. Samuel is an example of, of that. You see, the Lord came to him. The Word of the Lord came to him. Because Samuel was right with the Lord and Eli was not right with the Lord. And what we find right here is a couple of things happened. We look at how it happened. Well, it was just a night like any other night. Everyone was going to sleep. Have you ever been there? Any of you sleeping right now? It was this guy kind of like that, you know? <laughs> and yet God was about to bring a great awakening, right? And so we read in verse 4 that God called Samuel. And so Samuel ran to Eli thinking it was him, but he was sent back by the high priest who thought he was hearing things. And so this happened, and it wasn't until this happened three times that Eli recognized that Samuel wasn't hearing things, he was hearing God. Eli said, you know what? I think I know what's going on, man. It's God speaking to you. And and I'm not sure about this, but I would venture to say That maybe there was a time in his life when God had spoken to Eli and he knew it, you know, and I'll bet you almost anything that it had been a long time. And here he is. All this happens. So Eli tells him, go lie down. It shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You see, the word of God came to Samuel. Why did it happen? Because Samuel was right with God. Eli was not right with God. And how did it happen? Well, God calls Samuel. And Samuel repeatedly goes to Eli for a couple of reasons. Number one, for the purpose of teaching Samuel. Look again right here at verse 7, you guys. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. You see, he had to cultivate now an ear to really hear the voice of God. He didn't have that yet. You see, it's going to change beginning now. And it would grow, we're going to see even tonight, into a glorious ministry. And if you want to have a glorious ministry, and by that, I'm not talking about a big ministry. I'm talking about a glorious ministry, a ministry that brings glory to God. Then you need we need to cultivate an ear to hear what the Lord is saying. Here we see that, you know, Samuel didn't know that God could speak to him like this audibly and personally. You know, he didn't know up to this point in his life. He had never experienced it. But now for the first time he would. And so Eli would teach him how to discern the voice of the Lord and what to do with it. You know, and I just want to encourage you guys, this is a quick side note. We, especially as Christians, need to know the same truth, that God can speak to us intimately, personally. And I have talked to Christians where God has even spoken to them audibly. God can do that if he wants to. Remember what Jesus said in John ten twenty seven My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. You know, throughout history, we have many illustrations of this. You know, one of my favorites is over in the book of Acts, chapter 8. You remember the story there of Philip? It says in verse 26 that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Imagine if the angel of the Lord said to you, Arise, go down to the corner of Peck and Lower Azusa, something like that. God can do that. And then we read later in the same chapter, in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. The angel tells you, Go down to the corner of Peck and Lorezusa. And then the Spirit tells you, Go near and overtake that, you know, Mini Cooper, whatever it is. God can do that if He wants to. God can speak to us. And so we need to have a heart that simply says, Speak, Lord for your servant hears. You know, most of the translations say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The word for servant in the Hebrew, it speaks of a slave. Remember we studied that on Sunday? Don't forget, we're slaves, right? The word for hearing here is the Hebrew word shema. It means to hear with attention or interest. It means to listen and give heed. You know, as Christians, God will speak to us primarily through His word, you know, the other day we went to uh, deal with an individual who we weren't sure if he was demon possessed or, or demon oppressed, but I'll tell you what, it, it was it was it was one of the one of those two. It was clearly demonic, and it was so cool. I went down there with one of the brothers, man, and before we got there, it was so cool. The Lord had already given specific scriptures dealing exactly with this situation going on in the house. And God will do that. God will lay scriptures on your heart. If we really listen. See we need to have that heart. He will speak to us primarily through his word. And other times he will speak to us personally by his spirit. In our heart. And we have to know his will. And we have to be willing to do his will. You see just as God spoke to Samuel. He can speak to us. It all happened like this. Number one. We see right here that it would be for the purpose of teaching Samuel because you wonder, well, why did it happen like this? Why wasn't it just a dream? Why was Eli involved at all? It all happened like this for the purpose of teaching Samuel, and I also believe for the purpose of reaching Eli. That's why Eli was involved with this whole thing. And you know, and, and I'm sure you guys can testify to this. One of the things that I've learned in life is that God is so gracious. I mean, where would He be right now if He gave us what we deserve? Can I ask you a question? How many times has He warned you? How many times has He warned you? And God speaks to us and God is long-suffering, right? He's patient with us. He gives us chance after chance after chance and He warns us over and over again you know, God doesn't want to bring down the judgment. God doesn't want to, you know, discipline us like that. God doesn't want us to, to die like that. And I've learned in life that with Eli, you know, God was warning him. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know. Ezekiel thirty three eleven. Remember that verse? God says, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? See, the word of the Lord comes to Samuel. And Eli is right in the middle of this whole thing. And why would it happen like this? Well, because God is trying to teach Samuel and God is trying to reach Eli. And I pray that just in case there there is anyone here today, who, you know, you're living in consistent, persistent, resistant sin. You know, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe you're living with your your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe, I mean, and there are so many things that can be taking place. Man, I want to encourage you to hear today as God reaches out and He says you don't have to die if only you would surrender your life to the Lord. You know, And I know for those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, you know what I'm talking about. How I can tell you, when I saw a calling on his life, I saw a calling on her life. But how many guys and how many gals no longer are serving the Lord? You know, they're put on the shelf. And sometimes we see, yes, even some that have died. Why? Because they would not take heed to the warning, right? Now they're on their shelf, and the capacity for ministry oftentimes will never be the same. You know, when I read this right here, I'm not just talking about others. I also take it to heart for myself, and I just pray that we would get right with God and that we would stay right with God. You know, we need to make sure that we don't simply continue in sin, that grace may abound, you know, it's funny how some people, even in the ministry, they think they're in some type of union you know, with God and they can't lose their job. And let me tell you, I've seen it so many times. God has a calling for you. God has a place for you. God has a purpose for you. God has gifts that He's given you, that, you know, things, talents that were knit together in your mother's womb before you ever flung a star in the sky for you, for you to serve Him. But we have to make sure that we take heed to the warnings. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And so we need to learn and we need to turn from our sins, right? And we need to emulate the ministry of Samuel and not Eli. You see, the first thing we see today is God's word to Samuel. And then the second thing we see is God's word through Samuel. Because look what it says in verse 11. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You know, God gave his word to Samuel because he was right with the Lord and Eli was not right. And things were about to change in in the history of the nation of Israel. And imagine that. And again, let's just say Josephus is, white, or is right. There is Samuel, twelve years old, and he hears this message of judgment upon his mentor, you know Eli, the leader of the nation. You know, what do you do? Well, we read here in verse uh, sixteen, is it sixteen no, or fifteen? It says, "So Samuel laid down until morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision." And then Eli called Samuel and he said to him, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God, do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And so Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. You know, some of you here, you might be a pastor one day, and that would be awesome. Uh, Some of you here might be teachers, or some of you here are already teachers. But you know what? It doesn't really matter whether or not you have those official titles. We can all... Speak the word of the Lord to people. And I I don't know if there's a greater privilege in life. You know, to be able to speak God's message to people. A personal, powerful message to the lost. A personal, powerful message to the found. A personal, powerful message to those who are hurting. But we need, first of all, to receive the word of the Lord before we can ever deliver the word of the Lord. And don't ever try to deliver the word of the Lord if you have not first received the word of the Lord. There's a lot of people who are saying, even sometimes as teachers in the church and even to the world, words that are not from God. We are not called to be manufacturers. We are called to be distributors. And a a good teacher, a good pastor, a good spokesman for the Lord must first receive the message from God. Before he can ever deliver it. And that's what happens in the life of Samuel. He's a beautiful, perfect illustration of that. You know, And we do so as messengers. We do it number one fearfully, and we do it number two faithfully. You know at first right here, Samuel didn't want to tell him, I, I, at least I don't think it that he did. Look again in verse 15. So Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. That was probably his job, right? And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And in one sense, I'm kind of glad that Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. You know, it would have been sad if we read he was happy (laughs) to tell him the vision. If he was eager, right, to speak judgment to his spiritual leader. And yet at the same time, I think there are some people like that, almost rejoicing at the judgment someone else is about to experience. And it shouldn't be that way. Remember what we read earlier in Ezekiel 33.11? God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so neither should we. If you have to deliver a message of correction, a message of judgment, I would encourage you to do it fearfully. But I also would encourage you to do it faithfully. And that's what you read that Samuel did in verses 16 through 18. He, he gave him he gave the, the whole message. You know, and that's why, doesn't it kind of turn your stomachs? Doesn't it kind of make you sick when you hear about some preachers that don't want to talk about sin? Some preachers that don't want to talk about hell. They just want to make you feel good. They just want to, you know, give you a little pat on the back and tell you to go out the door. And a lot of those people are going to end up in hell. A lot of those people are going to end up losing in life because their teacher led them astray. And that's why it's so cool just to teach the Bible. Today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Next time we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 4. You see, and that's what Samuel did. He gave him a complete message. It wasn't necessarily new, but it was definitely true. Again, remember we studied last week in 1 Samuel 2 that Eli's sons were stealing God's sacrifice. They were stumbling God's people and they were sleeping with God's women, right? We read that. And what we find is the problem. Look at verse 13, if you would. It says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. Imagine that his sons. Not only is this a family issue, it's a ministry issue. Here are these guys thinking about stealing from God, stumbling the people of God, sleeping with the woman of God who were coming to the tabernacle. And all Eli did was give them a good talk. He didn't stop them. He didn't do anything about it. We read right here that he didn't restrain them. We read last week that Eli spoke to them and he gave them a good speech, but he didn't stop them. We even saw the other warning last week from the man of God who said in chapter 2, verse 29, that Eli honored his sons more than he did the Lord. You know, you can't do anything about your ancestors, okay? You're like, man, I don't know about them, right? (laughs) But you can do something about your descendants. Parents, pastors, leaders in ministry, all of us here, theos, tias, we can make a difference. You know, I was talking to this one guy. It was kind of cool. You know, um, he, he said that when he was a, a young man that um, his uncle came into the house and his uncle had one of those cowboy hats on, right? And I guess a cowboy hat is it, kind of like, you know, it means something, you know, to them anyways, right? And so this young man said that when his uncle came in with the cowboy hat on, that he just kind of, he flicked it up, you know, off of his head, right? And man, his uncle, whoo, he came down on him, man. Any of you guys ever get spanked by your uncles? Out out of curiosity? You know what? I think we should do that more, man. <laughs> or when you take your kids to the babysitter, say, you know what? If you need to give them a little trancaso, go for it, you know? Remember the days, any of you guys ever get spanked in school? Out of curiosity, corporal punishment? You know, I, all I know is this, that, that what his uncle did for his nephew, it, 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 it taught him something. It, it taught him how to respect other people. Sometimes parents don't have the courage to do it. Maybe it'll take an uncle or an aunt. All I'm saying is this, that you know, if we don't restrain them, if we don't discipline them, if we honor them more than the Lord then we will ruin our descendants. We will ruin those that were tried to lead. You know, we read right here of this great sin. You know, if you look back to chapter 2, if you would, just for a second. Look at chapter 2 in verse 17. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. Now, for those of you who have a Bible and you have a computer, you know, thing, look up great sin. You're not going to find that very often, only a handful of times. Great sin, great sin. And the interesting thing to me is we read it here because Eli had not restrained them. And we read it another time back in Exodus 32:31. It says, And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin. And they made it for themselves a molded calf. And then in Exodus thirty-two twenty-five, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them. You know, to me it's interesting that the great sin, only a handful of times in the Bible, was caused again and again by leaders who were not willing to restrain those they were called to lead. And I, and I know this, you guys, and I don't think you have to be, have a, a degree in child psychology. I don't think you have to know a whole lot to know this, that a large part of the problem that we have in the church and in the world is because leaders will not restrain those involved in ministry and parents will not restrain their children. Correct your children now before they start correcting you, okay? Okay. And it's important for us to understand that because we see that Eli, he wouldn't do it. And in the end, what happened? They died. They died. And that's why it's important for us to understand the responsibility that we have. I remember when I was uh, doing uh, driver's ed. Any of you guys ever do driver's ed and you had a teacher? Okay, you're in the driver's spot and you have a teacher that had a brake pedal. (laughs) You guys ever? Any of you guys ever had that? Right now I'm teaching my daughter how to drive. And I wish I had one of those cars, man. <laughs> you know, but I think a lot of times parents don't realize that they have not only the, the freedom but the responsibility to restrain their children. Oh, they're playing video games all day. Well, you let them. Oh, they're online all day. They're watching TV all day. You know, you let them. Oh, they talk back. You let them. I mean, you could just go on. And on and on and on. You know, we have to understand that we're free to say no. We have a responsibility to say no. And yes, there are those times that we have to lift them up as parents, but there's times that we got to tie them up as well. Man. <laughs> we have to restrain them. We have to stop them. Stop them. We can't just speak to them. That was Eli's problem. And so the time had come. Eli had crossed the line and this was really his final warning. And the sentence would be devastating. The Lord says, man, when everyone hears this, they're, they're both their ears are going to tingle, you know? Samuel gave the message fearfully, but Samuel also gave the message faithfully. What was the response of Eli? Look what we read right here. When Eli heard this whole thing, notice what he says right here in verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good. Him. Now, some of you may read that and think, oh, how noble of him. You know, I don't think so. I think um, that Eli here was just so far gone, you know, that, that he had really lost all spiritual discernment. Let's just say you're here today and God is speaking to you. And God is saying to you that warning, I, I you know what, you need to change your life, you need to repent of your sins. And whatever that correction is, you know... Whatever you do, don't think that you're too far gone. You know, we need to know that God has given us this warning in order that we would get right with God. Don't give up. Don't think it's too late, especially in a context like this. Don't say, oh, well, let God do what seems good to God. No, people need to say, forgive me, Lord, I must immediately do what seems good to you. You guys remember the story of Jonah? Remember, he went to that wicked, wicked place called Nineveh? And what did he say? This study is going to be judged, right? You guys are dead. And what happened? you guys remember? The Ninevites repented in dust and ashes. And what happened? God's judgment was then averted. Jonah didn't like it, but God is a merciful God. And all I'm saying to you tonight is whatever it is, and I don't know, but you know, because the Holy Spirit is the one who puts his finger on those areas of your life that need to be repented of. And whatever you do, I pray today that we would listen to the Lord. You know, because God gives us the story of Jonah and God gives us the story of Jesus. Matthew 121, and you shall call this name Jesus, right? For he will save his people from their sins. You see, think about this for a second. If you're a Christian here today, think about this for a second. He's washed away all your sins. He nailed them to the cross. If you have faith in Christ, you're free and you're forgiven, and you are white as snow. He dealt with it. Now, if he dealt with it enough to give you forgiveness from sin, don't you think he also has the power to help you overcome that sin? He does. No matter what it is, it's not too difficult for God. And I'm telling you that that's where we are today as a a people, as a church. You know, and I don't want to sound weird or anything. I don't want to sound like, you know, this guy's all doom and gloom. But I I really believe that the majority of the church is a carnal church. You know, I think we're a little different here. I think we're a little more on track. But, you know, the world, the church worldwide, thank God that, they're, they're, they're Jesus' bride and, and he loves them. But man, I think there's a lot of the people that are in the church that are following the inclination of their flesh and the temptation of the devil and the world and they're not on fire for God. They're not in prayer with God. They're not in love with God. They're not living passionately for God because, man, of that sin of worldliness. And, you know, I guess a lot of times what ends up happening is we think that, you know, well, I'm doing better than, than the rest of the church. And then God is saying, but I've got an anointing on your life. Whatever it is, I know in my life there's areas that God will pinpoint. God says, okay, it's time. It's time to clean house. You know, we have to have that in our heart, you guys. We see that Samuel gave a complete message And so in the end, Samuel would give a continual message. Look what it says in closing. It says in verse 19, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And verse 1 of chapter 4, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Wouldn't that be cool? If the Lord said, And from Alaska to the tip of Florida, (laughs) the word of the Lord came to the nation of the United States of America, you know, from coast to coast, from L.A. to New York. Why? How could that possibly happen? I believe it can happen if God gets a hold. Of our hearts. If God gets a hold of one heart completely, you guys have probably heard that saying. It says the world has yet to see what God can do with one man, who is absolutely surrendered to Him. You see, Samuel became a prophet of the Lord, and and you know none of his words fell to the ground. That means that everything he said came to pass. Everyone in the nation of Israel knew that he was established as a prophet of the Lord. It's so cool. And how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, I think that we see in Samuel's life today a few things. Number one, we see that he was right with the Lord, man, in serving God, you know, submissive to his leaders, submissive to God ultimately. And we see that he cultivated what? An ear to hear the word of the Lord. And that's my prayer. Uh, I know, like, from my life, and we even got together this last Sunday with the overseers, and we were saying, you know what, that's the key to life, you guys. That's the key, that we would really hear what God is saying to us. You know, how will the Word of the Lord go out to them? How will the Word of the Lord go through Samuel? Well, the only way the Word of the Lord will ever go through Samuel is is if we allow the word of the Lord to come to Samuel. And that's why you and I, we have to say, just like Samuel said, I encourage you tonight, when you go home, you kneel beside your bed, or you stand, and you lift your eyes to the Lord, and you say this, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and your love and your grace in our life. Father, I pray that you would just encourage us, Lord, tonight. We know the story of Jonah. We know the story of Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, that you were nailed to that cross for our sins. And, Lord, I pray for every hurting heart, every breaking, aching heart here tonight. Lord, that they would run to you. And that in this place, Lord, Jesus, you would be exalted. Lord, please. Continue to do a work in us, Lord, and speak to us as we learn of the life of Samuel. We have such a, a wonderful example for us. I pray, Lord, that all of us here would become prophets, that all of us here would be able to speak the word of the Lord to others, to those who you work with, to our family members in ministry, wherever it might be. Lord, that the word of the Lord would go out because the word of the Lord has come in. And again, I thank you so much for your love for us, your love in my life, long-suffering, patient, so good and so kind. And God, I pray for that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit within each one of our lives. We love you so much, and we thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This all.